I pop back up here to let you guys know that we are excited to have Jaden Nichols teach this morning. Jaden is a uh, staffer here and a pastor in training. And one of the reasons that we pastors get out of the way sometimes and surrender this microphone that I'm holding and let other people do what we do is actually because in Scripture we see this command um, that, that we should be multiplying our lives into others. And so in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is instructing Timothy, hey, take what I did for you, Timothy, and do that for a whole bunch of other people who can go and do this as well. And so we believe in that at every level of leadership in this church, that it's our task to be inviting people into that, raising them up and equipping them so that we can continue to plant churches, so that we can continue to have a strong future here in Bowling Green. And so I'll stop talking now and and sermonizing, and I'll let you do it. So Jaden Nichols. Well, good morning, H2O. Am I on? There we are. If you've been with us, you know that we've been going through the book of Proverbs, which we've been titling Walking in Wisdom. And this whole series has been helping us navigate the complexities of life in a wise and God-honoring way. And I really think God has something to say about the wisdom of the world, and that's something we're going to unpack today. This is kind of cool because six years ago, I gave my life to Christ, and one of the first things I did was I popped open my Bible, and I started reading the book of Proverbs. That was the first book I went to, because I knew it was about walking in wisdom, and I wanted to be wise. So it's kind of funny. I had this journal. I would just jot down what was going on in my life, then I would read a chapter of the Proverbs, and I would copy the ones that stuck out to me on the page. And funny enough, today is one of those that I copied down six years ago. But before we get there, I want to ask you a few questions and just start to get our our minds working here. Have you ever received a piece of bad advice? Can you think back to a time where maybe you've received a piece of bad advice and something didn't go your way? A great example of that, all my friends were telling me to buy GameStop, GameStop stock when it was at its peak. I didn't do it because I knew that was some bad advice. I know how the stock market works enough to know that. What about a piece of good advice? Have you ever gotten a piece of good advice that, that yielded a positive result for you? This last week, we were with my wife's family, and we were out in Colorado. It's my first time ever in Colorado, and we went on this two-mile hike called Section 16. I'm with some very seasoned hikers, and before we go on our descent, they want to run. They want to go fast, and I'm like, great. I'm an athlete. I can do that, and the one piece of advice they said was make sure you watch in front of you. Watch your feet so that you don't trip or fall, and sure enough, I'm about a mile into this. I go to take my backpack off take my eyes off of my feet for just a second, and I sprained my ankle on a rock. It was a piece of good advice. If I would have just kept watching my feet, I would have been fine. How about this? Are there any popular pieces of advice that maybe you just have a disdain for or you don't like for some reason? For me, my least favorite one is do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. The issue with that is I love to work. I like work, and I like the work that I'm doing. So it just doesn't click with me. It doesn't make sense. I want to work. Maybe, you, maybe that resonates with you. I think for most of us, it's really easy to recognize bad advice, isn't it? When somebody gives you a piece of bad advice, you're like, that's not going to work. It's easy to recognize. But I think more than ever, people are seeking out life coaches. We're looking for life hacks. We're seeking out counselors. A lot of people on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook are sharing their fitness advice, their dieting advice. Here's one way to make 100K in a year. There's advice all over the place. And the last question I have for you here is, have you ever received a piece of good advice that you wish you would have listened to? That's what this proverb is addressing today. We're going to be in Proverbs 12, 15. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can go there, or the references are also going to be on the screen. 
It says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Other translations say it like this, a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. So there's two words there, advice and counsel, and we're going to discuss, compare and contrast the two. So we're going to break down this, this little verse in Proverbs into four pieces of what, what God might have for us in store and what he wants to share to us. But before we do that, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today humbled and just thankful that we get to worship you and get to dive into your word. Lord, we pray that our hearts would just be open to receiving whatever it is you want to share with us today or whatever you want to speak into our lives, Lord. I pray for all of us who have been receiving bad advice that we would turn from that and seek out some good counsel and receive some good advice, Lord. So I pray that we would all just come to you with open hearts and open minds. And then we pray. Amen. So the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Point one is this. A fool is their own highest authority. A fool is their own highest authority. We have to take a look at that word fool if we're to really understand what the passage is trying to say. The book of Proverbs was written in Hebrew. So we're going to take a look at the Hebrew word for fool, which is pronounced A-V. It looks like evil, but it's A-V. It means someone who is thick-headed, someone who does not listen to reason. Typically, I don't know if you're like me, when I think of the word fool, I tend to think of somebody who's just not smart, maybe, maybe dumb, for lack of a better term. But it's really not a claim on intelligence, the fool that it's discussing in this passage. It's more of a character statement than it is an intelligence statement. Essentially, the fool in this proverb is someone who lives as if there is no God. It's not claiming that this is, it's not talking about atheists. It's talking about those who do not live as if there's a God. And that can people who believe, be people who believe in God. And it says a fool's way is right in his own eyes. That term right in his own eyes, there's overtones of pride, arrogance, and self-importance that seep out of that. And it actually is an indictment. So when this was written, right in his own eyes, was not a term of endearment, not something that was known to be good. In Judges 17.6, it says this, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the thing about that, that was one of the worst times in Israel's history. It was awful. And they mark it by saying, the worst time in Israel's history is when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So this saying repeats multiple times in the book of Judges. And it's the last verse in the whole book. Chapter 21, 25. It says, verse 25, it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's the ending of the book. So it's deemed not good. There's our foundation. A fool is their highest authority. And essentially, walking our own way ultimately leads us to death. Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. See, following what is right in our own eyes or following our heart is actually a deception that Satan uses to keep us from God and good counsel. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's the worldly wisdom it's discussing. There's this movie called Yes Man. It's got Jim Carrey in it. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. Jim Carrey plays this character named Carl Allen, and he's a chronic no man. His friends know him as the guy that always says no to whatever plans. He's a bank loan officer who says no to everybody. He's a chronic no man, and eventually it catches up with him. He ends up missing his best friend's engagement party, and he comes to his house and says, 
Carl, you need to make a change. And interestingly enough, he had been getting invited to this seminar called Yes Man. He ends up going to it because he wants to make a change in his life. And he has an encounter with the speaker. The speaker asks him, Carl, do you want to make a covenant? Do you want to start saying yes to life? And so he instructs him to say yes to everything. Every opportunity that's in front of you, say yes. The advice here is that yes always leads to something good. That's what he tells Carl. So Carl does this. He lives it out. It might sound kind of fun. He starts learning how to speak Korean. He takes flight lessons. He starts doing guitar lessons. He helps a homeless guy the second that he leaves the seminar. It starts out real innocent and real fun. But then eventually his actions start to hurt others. He ends up taking a spur-of-the-moment trip to Nebraska, and on his flight back, he gets interrogated by the FBI because he has so many different things that he's been doing that's out of tune with what his normal life looks like. He finds a girlfriend, but subsequently he actually found a wife on PersianWifeFinder.com, and she found out about it. And eventually, towards the end of the movie, it leads him to a hospital bed, almost dead, all in the name of saying yes to life. He almost ends up dead. Carl would be following what would be called worldly wisdom. And this story sounds hilarious. And, and it is. It's funny. But I have to confess, I actually tried this once in my life. The summer after my freshman year, I decided I wanted to experience more things. I started saying yes to every opportunity that was placed in front of me. And similar to Carl, things were fun at times. But then eventually it led me to doing things I didn't think were good for me, and it led me to places that I probably shouldn't have been in, and eventually it left me feeling more empty than I ever had been before, all in the name of trying to say yes to life. See, following our heart is something that would fit in this category of worldly wisdom. Ephesians 2.2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, which means that he's active on this earth. Satan has power, but God is all-powerful. So Satan uses these deceptions to try to keep us away from God, because he has all the power. Now there's this deep contrast between worldly wisdom, which I've been talking about, and godly wisdom, which we find in scripture. This isn't a distinction between higher wisdom and lesser wisdom. wisdom. It's the difference between true and false. So we're going to compare and contrast worldly wisdom and godly wisdom together. Let's take a look. Worldly wisdom tells us we should follow our heart. If you just follow your heart, you're going to be happy. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful. The world tells us to do what makes you happy. Just pursue whatever is going to make you feel good. The scriptures tell us to be a living sacrifice. Worldly wisdom tells us to treat people the way that they treat you. Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. The world says you need to know yourself. If you're going to date someone, you need to know yourself. You're going to find the perfect job. You need to know yourself. The scriptures tell us to know your creator. The world tells us to believe in yourself. If you just believe in yourself, you're going to reach your goals. You're going to hit all those dreams that you have. The Bible tells us to believe in Jesus. The world tells us to speak things into existence. Just manifest whatever you want in your life. The scriptures tell us that we can make our plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And Brian Wiles' favorite, he mentioned this one a few weeks ago. He who dies with the most toys wins. The scriptures tell us to store your treasures up in heaven. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, or we could put in there worldly wisdom, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through scripture. Kent Ramsey said this last week, and I can't stop thinking about it. 
He said the heart is not something to be conquered, but it needs to be transformed by God. And that's what godly wisdom does for us in our lives. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 20 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The scriptures are very clear. God has made foolish the wisdom of this world, and he's come in to share his wisdom with us. Point two is this. Wisdom comes only from God the Father. Wisdom comes only from God the Father. I think we know wisdom to be culturally something that just comes with age. We say that as you grow older, you grow wiser. It's not inherently true. Proverbs 2.6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So sitting around and just getting older isn't going to make you wiser. The Lord gifts us with wisdom. Deuteronomy 12.28, it says this, Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. There's the contrast that we needed from the passage in Judges. The fool is their own highest authority, and destruction comes to them as they do what is right in their own eyes. But the wise recognize God as authority, and knowledge and understanding comes to them as they do what is right in the sight of the Lord. So God himself does not grow in wisdom. He's outside of time and space. He's infinitely wise. And knowing that God is infinitely wise, we can know that true wisdom is either from or it's consistent with God's word, being the Bible. And to hear from God, we simply just need to turn the pages and start reading. Just need to open up and submit that I am not the authority of my life, but that Jesus Christ is, and God is the rightful place and the one who's going to teach me. As followers of Jesus, we submit that the Bible is infallible, it's fully sufficient, and it's authoritative truth on our lives. And when we hold it to that, we will become more and more wise. Now, we need to look at these words, advice and counsel, before we discuss them. I got to be honest with all of you today, I used to have a real beef with the word advice. I thought it sounded lesser than counsel. So let's break down what what do these actually mean. Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you've heard of him, he says, however words are being used, that's the meaning. And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, it can be tough to understand what those words mean since they were written so many years ago, even though they apply to us today. So advice, I typically think of it as a this worked for me statement. It only matters if it works. It might be someone saying, here's what I would do. The definition of advice would be guidance or recommendations offered with regard to prudence, prudent future action. I asked one of my friends to give me two definitions of these words, and this is how he described advice. He, says, he said, advice are words to help guide or fix a problem. And then there's counsel. In my mind, counsel looks like statements that would say, this is what would make sense. They might be based in logic. And they say, here's what's wise to do, rather than just, here's what I would do. A definition of counsel is advice, especially that given formally. So even Webster's Dictionary sees counsel as just a little more formal than advice. And my friend who I asked to define counsel said this. He said, it's advice that must be followed. So typically we have this idea of counsel being a little bit higher than advice. 
a true definition of counsel for the Bible that we're looking at in this passage says a practical end to be reached, that of consultation and deliberation among those united for a common cause, that given by an official advisor. The way that the scripture is talking about it is interchangeable. So advice is that practical end to be reached. And there's two pieces of that definition of the way it's used in Proverbs that we need to pull out. There's common cause and there's an official advisor. So that tells us that good advice, good counsel, is from someone who is for you and someone who has been appointed. So we don't just take advice from anybody. We take it from someone who's appointed. If we look back in the Old Testament, there are many, many examples of people receiving counsel and seeking it out. Pharaoh had advisors. King Nebuchadnezzar was looking for advisors. Moses' father-in-law offered him counsel. Every king in the Old Testament had a council of advisors. Typically, that consisted of bureaucrats, friends, family, prophets, and sometimes people who were dabbling into witchcraft or dream catching, that kind of thing. But what's most interesting is that the advisors who were most sought after were those who were known to be close to God. So those who had a, a connection with the Lord were sought after. A name that comes to mind is Daniel. Daniel was sought after because he was known to be close to God. So now that what we know what advice is and where wisdom comes from, we can get to point three in the instruction in this passage. Point three is this, to be wise, we must listen. This summer, my dad got the opportunity to go on a sabbatical. So a couple months ago before he left, he was instructing me on things he wanted me to do to take care of his house while he's gone. So my dad, maybe your parents are like this too, he can be a little long-winded, so he's explaining to me how to curate the pond. He's showing me where some tools are because he's got a few projects that need done. So he's showing me where this is. Somebody's coming to pick up this thing. So he's taking me to the barn to show me where this is. He's giving me all the instructions. And I'm listening real good. I got him locked in here. And then he says, one thing before you go home, can you mow the lawn for me? I'm like, yeah, I can mow the lawn. No problem. So I go to turn and, and go to walk, find the lawnmower. And he says, hold on. I need to tell you some things about the lawnmower. And I'm like, oh, I got to listen to some more stuff. So I turned begrudgingly, and I listened to him, or so I thought I listened to him. I go, and I, I start mowing the lawn. I turn on, no problem. I didn't need to listen to what he was telling me. So I start, I'm about an hour in mowing the lawn, and then my dad slowly walks over to me, and he gives me one of these to cut the lawnmower. I do, I'm like, what do you need? And he just points. I said, the mower deck's not down. You haven't been cutting any grass. To be wise, we must listen. Had I just listened, I would have done it right the first time. My parents live on a two and a half acre property. So, and that thing's slow, let me tell you. That day, it took me three hours to mow the whole lawn, but we got there. See, the wise listen to advice. That doesn't mean we have to take all advice. The wise listen to advice. We don't always have to take all advice. See, wisdom requires listening. And we must cross-examine all advice with the word of God. We need to reflect on advice we're given. We need to take said advice and bring it to other counselors and see if those cross-reference and make sense. Now on the point of counselors, let's talk about the difference between bad counselors and good counselors. We need to avoid bad counselors. <clears throat> Typically bad counselors are yes men and yes women. These are the people that are always hyping you up. Whatever outfit you got on, whatever idea you've got, whatever job you're pursuing, whichever person you're pursuing, they say yes to all of that. 
They just unconditionally affirm everything that you're doing. I'm here to tell you today that unconditional affirmation is not love. Wouldn't you want someone to warn you before you were going to do something destructive? Bad counselors are those who have questionable character. If you're not sure if they're living right, not somebody you want to take counsel from. Bad counselors are those who have ulterior motives. So if someone has something to gain from what they're leading you to do, it might be worth taking a look at. Is that good or bad counsel? Bad counselors tend to make guarantees. I would say avoid people who make guarantees. There are those who don't seek counsel themselves. Again, a fool is their own highest authority. And a bad counselor is those who are not under any sort of authority. So people who are just living on their own accord. I have to confess to you today, most of my life, I sought out bad counselors. I surrounded myself with yes men and yes women to tell me whatever ideas I had were great. In high school, I had a lot of seasonal friends because I was just going with whoever was telling me whatever I wanted to hear. Maybe you relate to that today. So what about good counselors? What should we be looking at? We know what to not look for. Now what should we be looking for? Good counselors are those who care enough about you to be honest with you and to tell you no. Think about the counselors in your life right now. When was the last time they told you an idea you had was a bad idea? If the answer is never, you might want to take a look at that. We want to look for those who are of high character. The Bible actually tells us that our reputation is important, and we should seek out those with good character. Good counselors are those with no ulterior motives. A lot of people, when they have an issue, sometimes will go to someone completely outside of said scenario and seek counsel. That's actually wise to do sometimes. You want someone who's not going to have anything to gain from whatever decision you're making. Good counselors, they acknowledge nuance and what could go wrong. I got to shout out my friend Joe. He did a great job of this in my life. Anytime I came to him for advice, he would say, here's what's probably wise to do, but this could go wrong, or maybe they will respond this way. Maybe they won't like this. Acknowledging the nuance of situations in this life we live is wise, and a wise counselor would know that. Good counselors go to godly people themselves. They seek out those who are are walking with Jesus and walk in humility, and they're under the authority of God's word. That's what a good counselor looks like. I started seeking good counsel from godly men right after I started following the Lord, and it paid a lot of dividends in my life. Back then, my only criteria was I want somebody older than me, that's reading the Bible and walking with Jesus. That was all I needed at the time. There's a lot more qualifications than that. But if you're following someone who's under the authority of Scripture and they're speaking that to you, that's some good counsel. We have to acknowledge that some of us here today maybe have been lied to, or maybe you've been following falsehood or received bad counsel. As I was preparing this, I was thinking back through all the times that I've received bad advice or taken bad counsel, and a lot of times it was on me. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're relating to Carl Allen. Maybe you're just trying to say yes to life. Maybe you're seeking out worldly advice. Maybe you've surrounded yourself with yes men or yes yes women. Maybe you've been doing what's right in your own eyes, and you've not been going to the word of God to see what's right in the sight of the Lord. And maybe you haven't given God's word a chance to speak into your life at all. Maybe you haven't had good counsel in your life. Maybe you've never sought out good counsel or even thought to do so. 
I would encourage you today to do that. See, God designed us, and God designed us to do life in community. God himself wants to be in communion with us. See, God sent Jesus down to live a perfect life, to die on a cross for us, and rise from the dead to become the bridge for us to communicate with God. Through Jesus, we can have our past sins atoned for, made clean. God then sees us as righteous, and we can live a full and abundant life with him in eternity. We can be in relationship with our creator. We can receive counsel from the one who created you. Point four is this. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. We have to look back at the Old Testament prophecy. This is one of the first prophecies given about Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, here it is, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why the word wonderful before counselor? This word has overtones of deity. The way that it translates and the way that it was spoken back in the day was godly counselor. People understood it as the God of the universe being the counselor, that wonderful counselor. Another cool thing, this is actually the first title that Jesus receives, this wonderful counselor. A little fun fact about me, I studied counseling for my master's. So I have a master's degree in school counseling, and I learned a lot of valuable skills while learning how to counsel people. I learned some good listening skills, having good nonverbal communication, making eye contact, turning towards, using a lot of encouragers, listening at all costs, reflecting whatever's said to us. I got to see the health that comes from having good counselors. There's a lot of health that comes from receiving counsel. And I'm very for counseling. I received it myself. When we went through the program, one of the things that we had to do was participate in a group counseling group. So I got to experience that. And then I went to a counselor to receive one-on-one counseling as well. I'm for counseling. I think it's really good. There's a lot that can be accomplished. And as good as counseling is, we still need the greatest, wonderful counselor. And that's Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, he's a famous preacher. He had this to say about the word counselor. He said, it was by a counselor that this world was ruined. Did not Satan mask himself in the serpent and counsel the woman with exceeding craftiness that she should take unto herself of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the hope that thereby she should be as God? Was it not that evil counsel which provoked our mother to rebel against her maker? And did it not as the effect of sin bring death into this world with all its train of woe? Ah, beloved, it was meet that the world should have a counselor to restore it if it had a counselor to destroy it. Psalm 16, 7 and 8 says this, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Jesus is the perfect counselor and the one that we need. Some of you may be keeping yourselves as the highest authority in your life. The wonderful counselor calls us to repent and believe in the gospel. Maybe you're recognizing today that God's calling you into relationship with him. All you have to do is turn from that way of living, living life for yourself, and turn towards the God of the universe and start walking with him. Repent and place your trust in Jesus Christ. 
Some of you may be walking alone, and this is not how God designed us to live. Maybe you need to step out and ask someone to give you counsel in your life and walk daily with you. See, discipleship is this mutually encouraging experience of pursuing and walking with Jesus together. There's this togetherness that's necessary when it comes to pursuing Jesus. Some of you may have bad counsel in your lives. We're just going to call it like we see it. Some of you have some bad counsel in your lives that either you need to cut out or you need to be more rooted in God's word so you can discern the bad counsel that you're receiving. And some of you have been receiving really good counsel, but you've been ignoring it. Maybe you've been like me, not putting the mower deck down before getting on the lawnmower. The scripture tells us to heed godly counsel, says the wise listen, and that this counsel is good. We're going to pray here and we're going to have the band come back up. It's my hope that today, if you take anything out of this, the wise listen and Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Let's pray.